0: Mate, did we watch a thing this week? Yeah, we did. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Here, as usual, with Billy. How are you? I'm not too bad, buddy. How are you doing? Oh, look, nothing that not drinking as much last night wouldn't fix. <laughs> um, and also, we said that we might have Beth here for The, the Godfather. Didn't. And also Creed 2. And now with no warning... Beth's here. last episode of the year and Beth is here, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well, how are you doing?
0: Not too bad, buddy, not too bad. We watched a movie this week.
1: Yeah, I watched several this week, what else including did the to? one we're discussing today. <laughs> I also got to Peppermint last night.
0: Oh yeah, I bet that was amazing.
1: Yeah, it was aggressively <laughs> bad, but, but tolerable at the same time. I, I kind of like Jennifer Garner, quite like.
0: Yeah, I'm a big Jennifer Garner fan.
1: I never saw Alias, but I think she's- I
0: she think she like messed up thought. by leaving Affleck. But-
1: Ooh, Did she? <laughs> what me we say? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we know I'm an Affleck fan. <laughs> Are you also a cheating husband fan? <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> I watched that, that new Netflix Christmas one with Kurt Russell. Oh, yeah. One on, on of our listeners was telling us to watch that. Yeah, we watched, yeah, on advice from, from a listener on Facebook. I was like, all right, I'll check this out. How was it? Oh, look, if I was eight years old, I'd have loved it. So it's a kid's movie? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Like- Kurt Russell, awesome as Santa, though? Kurt Russell is having a ball. <laughs> he really is. He looks like he's having a ton of fun. Would you recommend I check it out? Like, watch it with your kids. Yeah. Okay. Well, speaking of stuff on Netflix, what did we watch this week? New Cohen brothers, Cohen brothers, not brothers. <laughs> Maybe they said brothers in the Old West. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. You know? Okay. Uh, yes. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yes. An anthology film. You don't see many of those around these days. Everyone drink. (laughs) Honestly, what do you reckon was the last anthology film that you saw? But, But wait, was there a time where they littered the movie landscape? They certainly used to be more common, I'd say. When? Well, 80s. This episode is The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which, as we said, was written, directed, and produced by the Coen Brothers. Stars Tim Blake Nelson, Liam Neeson, James Franco, Brendan Gleeson, Zoe Kazan, Tyne Daly, Harry Melling, and Tom Waits. It's and sixth- lots of other people. Yes, tons of people in this film. Six different stories, basically, all set in the American frontier. Uh, The film did premiere at the Venice International Film Festival in August, where it won the Golden Acela for Best Screenplay, and it did have a limited theatrical run. I'm guessing that's to make it eligible for awards. But really, it's a Netflix movie, so we didn't have to leave the house, which is fun. Let's get into it. What did you think? I, like most people, and most things that I've read about this film, heard about this film, I really like some of it. And I don't like some of it. I really liked all of it. I seem to be the exception to the rule. Yeah. I loved this movie. I was all about it, man.
1: Well, Billy, if you're at the very positive end, Topher is somewhere in the middle. I bring up the rear. Yeah, I knew
0: that was coming. For the Grinch me- is in the house. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love Christmas way more than you.
0: That's true.
1: <laughs> I kind of, I went into this movie hoping it wasn't going to be another Cohen Brothers circle jerk like we had with Hail Caesar. Though I did have a very good nap during that movie. But my my hopes on that front my hopes, sorry, on that front were dashed. Ah, get it? Christmas joke? Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this this episode will actually go up after Christmas. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. But we're recording sound it. Like a we are recording it pre Christmas, so everyone knows that joke was actually a total zinger. <laughs> <laughs> See, I didn't I didn't get to Hail Caesar, but Ugh. I thought this was classic Cohen Brothers. It was witty, it was funny, it was Super entertaining. Like, I loved being able to sit down and watch a film that was just entertainment. Like, I really feel like that's what this was. I don't think there were a bunch of hidden meanings here. I feel like you were just meant to enjoy what you were viewing. And I totally did.
1: That's really interesting because for me, I didn't- For a movie, I want it to either be entertaining or enlightening or enriching in some way. And it was neither of those things. Really? Yeah.
0: That's crazy. I, I, I feel like you could easily see both in there. Where are you on it, Toph? I think there is decent subtext to it. No, I think there that is, but it's not. I didn't find it that, and I, th- I found some of it genuinely entertaining. Yeah, not really a ton of it, but even stuff that I didn't find that entertaining, I still enjoyed enough because the like their filmmaking is good enough. Yeah, the, it's a very the performances are film. good enough. Yeah, the, yeah, the film the film craft is good enough that I was still I was happy to watch it. Yeah. Well, so let's get into the stories then. Should we just go through one by one? Makes sense. All right. Ballad of Buster Scruggs, where were you guys on this? For me, this was the highlight of the film. I loved this story. My oh, wife hated it. Yeah, this one is probably- I reckon the first one may be a subpar for me. Really? For, the, for, the, for, for all six, I reckon this would be in my bottom three. See, to me, this is one of those ones that was really just pure joy. I loved that character. To me, this was like if Ferris Bueller was in the Wild West. I loved the breaking the fourth wall, talking to camera. This was just- this was a comedy- Story and I liked it a lot. Yeah, the singing of the singing of the character didn't work for me. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Didn't work for me. <laughs> I didn't like it. Would <laughs> do you think you would have liked it better had he not sung? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think if it had been a bit straighter, I would have liked that story. If it more. hadn't leaned too much into the comedy aspect. Yeah. Well, like I'm fine with him having quirks and and it having like gags. It does have physical gags in it, mm. which is which is fine. Just the singing itself, I just found jarring AF. I liked that it it kind of broke from the rest of the stories, because six stories all set in the frontier, you could see some repetitiveness there. But I, I liked that this kind of broke the style and everything of the others, because some of them are quite grim, and this really is the lightest of all of them. I like that.
1: I liked Dan the Horse. I was a fan of him. <laughs> And there was a shot in particular that was quite interesting from within the guitar, yeah, looking, looking out, out at watching him strum that I thought was really good. I yeah. actually um,
0: found that shot a bit film school. Like, really? Like, I liked it. I found it like the kind of shot you do to try and impress people with look how creative I'm being. Yeah. It really? didn't really work for me. But it I- looked
1: like Billy's guitar. The one that he was playing. And so, I was kind of <laughs> like imagining myself then as a tiny human inside his guitar. <laughs> and it was really you enjoyable. You wouldn't have moment. as nice a <laughs> view. <laughs> Did anyone feel like they were on the set from Westworld? Like when he arrives at the town after he's kind of shot all those people in the sort of outback pub, um, it, it genuinely looked to me like the set from Westworld. They might have used it. I wonder where I'd-
0: Westworld is shot. This whole thing was sh- all except for the last story was shot on location. Outside. So, the first two stories were both shot outside in New Mexico. Hmm. I don't know where Westworld is shot. No. Second two were both shot in Colorado. Last one was shot in Oregon. And, sorry, the second last one, the Zoe Kazan one in Oregon, and the final one was on a soundstage. Mm. Which, of course, I mean- that just impresses me even more with the filmmaking because shooting outside in natural conditions is the worst way to shoot. <laughs> and I thought this was such a good looking movie. I do think it's a good looking movie. You can't, you kind of can't help but compare it to True Grit, yes. which the Coen, I mean, oftentimes the Coen brothers do team up with Roger Deacons. He did True Grit and it's a gorgeous film. I didn't particularly like it, but great to look at. This time around, it's Bruno Delbanel, I believe, was the DP. Uh, he did Inside Luan Davis for the Coens, yeah, um, which I thought was a great looking film. I yeah, thought, that's another um, great movie. Yeah, and so I, I I give it an absolute pass mark for for the look of the film. I think when when there's this such an obvious comparison there, and the comparison is Roger Deacons, yeah, and you clear the bar. Um, I was like, Bravo, Bruno. So last week when we watched Reindeer Games best Christmas action movie ever. Woof. You were having a go at the use of wide lenses. You know that this film was shot almost entirely on a 22mm? Yeah. Yeah? You're all right with it in this case, though, because it's not Reindeer Games. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we need to delve too deeply into this one. Interesting choice, though. Six different stories, six different styles, but all shot with a relatively wide lens. Yeah. So, for anyone who doesn't know, and unless you're a lens nerd... 35mm lens is rough, is the kind of rough approximation to your natural field of view. Human eye. Kind so, 22mm yeah. is wider than that. And so, that makes sense when you're dealing with the old west. You and think the of the, these expanses and everything. That yeah. makes total sense. Actually, that's a fun game we haven't done in a while is Guess the Lens. We did used to do this <laughs> daggy, film-desperate <laughs> fan <laughs> game of Guess the Lens. It was so much fun. We should do it again. We We should. <laughs> It also works brilliantly in an audio format. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there was one scene in story one that I really, one shot I really enjoyed when he walks into the sort of Outback pub and double taps his clothes and the dust sort of plumes off him. And I thought that was done very well. kind of behind him like yeah, that Daffy, Daffy Duck cool. that was I was going to
0: say, it was like a real Looney Tunes Yes, yeah. yes. See, and to me, that was the tone that that story was going for. It was really- comedic that's the songs really worked for me the fact that the this story ends with him growing wings and ascending up you know like yeah that was my least favorite bit of that i i'm not surprised i'm not surprised that you didn't like it but i really loved this story because i like i loved his interaction with the people he's like facing off against there was a bunch about that chapter that i do like it's really just specifically the singing doesn't work for me yeah right all right let's move on to chapter two then which was we're still giving james franco work (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone feel like the bank robber and the sort of picture? You know how every chapter opens with a picture in the uh, you know in the storybook? Yep. Feel like the dude looked like the saucepan man from the Faraway Tree series.
0: Oh. You're pushing my memory here. So, he's the
1: one then who runs out, sort of he's the one that Franco robs and then he runs out and tries to shoot him and he's covered in sort of saucepans and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. I I then got distracted by thinking about The faraway (laughs) Tree and not wanting to interact with James Franco.
0: I I actually think more and more that James Franco is better than people give him credit for. I I actually think think this is- I don't think Beth's judging him on the quality of his acting. (laughs) (laughs) I actually think he was really good in this story. He
1: still wears his own- face, which attaches to his person, which I find to be pretty disagreeable.
0: (laughs) This is It's funny. Most of the stories aren't really what you would traditionally call stories. They're not so much narratives. They're kind of that slice of life. You know, this is a day in this person's life. And the fact that this happens to end with his death kind of bookends it. But yeah, I really liked that, that this doesn't really have a beginning, middle and end as such. It's just this is happening to this dude. And this is what really sets the tone. You're like, okay, everyone's going to die. Yeah. Like, pretty much. Yeah, you're like, every story like, is going to end with the person dying. Yeah. I, that's not actually true, though. It does put you in that yeah frame of mind that, all right, don't get too attached to anyone. Yeah.
1: We never were to him. <laughs> I do like that in this story, um, you've, you've waited till the 28th minute, so there's been a, quite a bit of suspense. You do see your first woman. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I knew um, that was going to come
1: up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's plenty more to come where that
0: came from.
1: <laughs> um, you look at her and your immediate thought, of course, is, oh, God, she's a like pretty young thing. That's what they knew. You know, That's what she had to be back then and what, you know, ah, back then, lol. Um, but the other reason you know she's a pretty thing is that the only thing that is said about her for the entire thing or the only thing that is mentioned about her in any capacity, including her speech, of which there is none, is um, is James Franco saying, there's a pretty girl, and then he gets killed. <laughs> so, I liked that in the space of a very short period of time, James Franco died and there was an acknowledgement of a female presence. <laughs> so, story two, for the win.
0: <laughs> maybe maybe it's a commentary by the Coens on the fact that if that's all you value in women, you'll die. Ah, if only. <laughs> yeah. Now you're cooking with gas. I don't think that's the case. <laughs> Another th- another good thing about this, cha- or a no, good thing about this chapter, like th- something that this chapter really sets for me about the, the the wider film is that the main, both the main character and the villain, is in fact the West. The West is what people are up against. They're not so like granted, yeah, sure, they're up against other people in all these different things, but it's more about circumstance and the fact that the a in some cases, a victim of circumstance, and the circumstance is the West.
1: And yeah. the male ego, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> Billy's yeah. going to love this, guys. You should <laughs> see him right now. He's already- His eyes are rolled so far back in his head, he can't see straight. Now, look,
0: it is it is a very male-centered film, but it's a film set in the old frontier. I don't know. I can't- Like, I don't have a beef with it, but I'm not a woman.
1: Yeah. When women didn't exist. <laughs> I mean, there were none of them around, to be fair.
0: <laughs> Men were just springing up like
1: orcs <laughs> yeah. out of the ground,
0: popping up like daisies. <laughs> Story three, meal ticket. I liked this one again.
1: This one I thought was the most beautifully shot, and the art the sort of um the art design set design for me was just was the best of all six. I thought yeah. it was beautiful to look at.
0: You do get a lot of snow in this one, oh, which always looks gorgeous was, on film. It was beautiful.
1: Yeah. There's a shot in particular where the Horse and cart are going away from the camera, and they're sort of heading towards these snow-capped mountains. And you could just, you could just screenshot that and put it on a poster. It was so beautiful.
0: Yeah, I think shooting on location for this film really made a difference because the scenery in that country in that part of the world is so beautiful.
1: And it was good. It sort of gave, it did give a voice to probably the only group of minority people given a, you know, shout out in this movie. So that the disabled guy was he the the cousin of the brother or whatever in Harry Potter. Liticus or something and <laughs> fucked him up there.
0: You're right, it is. It's Dudley Dursley. Dursley. <laughs>
1: Dudley Dursley.
0: Dudley <laughs> <laughs> Dursley.
1: What a hole he was. But anyway, he's got his comeuppance now.
0: Yeah, I thought that this was one of the most well-thought-out stories mm. in terms of a narrative. I think this is one that I could actually see myself reading in a written form, and I really enjoyed that about it. There's a bunch about Meal Ticket that I liked. I think Liam Neeson's totally miscast in this chapter. I I didn't rate Neeson in this. I I think he worked. I actually ended up watching this story twice because, as you know, my lifestyle doesn't lead to watching a movie in full. So I had started this movie, gotten to the end of this story. And then, again, as with Godfather, my wife was like, oh, I wouldn't mind watching that. So watch the whole thing again. And I preferred him the second time. Definitely. Definitely. In fact, I think I preferred this entire story the second time.
1: Mm.
0: I think once I knew what the ending was and where it was going, I actually enjoyed my entire viewing of it better. Yeah, I like. I, I mean, I really like the end mm. when Neeson's character walks to the river and you're just like, "Ah, oh, shit. Yeah. Come on, man. But I also like that then they don't actually show you what happens. Yeah. You then just see him driving off only the chicken in the back. And you didn't need to see what happens because you know. Yeah. But I like that they didn't bother. Claimed by the West.
1: <laughs> and also, second woman. She's a whore. Uh, so, so far we've had beautiful women in bonnets and whores, which I think is probably-
0: Did we not have some whores in um, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs?
1: They, there weren't any sort of centred shots on it. There, there might have been some background whores, <laughs> yeah, some
0: background whores, but not some full front whores. <laughs> but this yeah. gets your whore right up on Front Street, so that's nice for the whores. She talks-
1: Yeah, she doesn't- you wouldn't say she has a sort of conversation. Well, she she, cares
0: about the disabled. She asks whether
1: he would, you know,
0: like a go. She cares about the disabled. That's nice.
1: Yes, us minorities and subjugated have to stick together.
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah, I like the- so three's good on a kind of subtexty level as well. Yeah. I think just the, the commentary on- I read one thing that was talking about the commentary being about Netflix- (laughs) because <laughs> Netflix the, is a disabled man? Just the No, 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 like the chicken is Netflix. Hey, look at this. Click on this. Stay on this. <laughs> Which, I don't know if that's true, but if it is, it's fucking it's funny. It's pretty funny.
1: <laughs> and very effective. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, they're kind of our, our three short stories. From here, the stories get considerably longer. Yeah. So, our fourth story then, Gold Mountain. I loved this one. I thought just, for starters, just the scenery and the way it was shot was so gorgeous. This was such a great looking story. Uh, There was a great bit of film, like we talk about sometimes, you know, show don't tell in filmmaking. And I'm like, like, by, you know, five minutes into this story, you're like, I know how to look for gold. (laughs) (laughs) And no one has sat there explaining it. They've just shown how it's done. And I was like. Nicely done, Cohen's.
1: <laughs> Didn't you ever go to that Gold Rush thing up at- I did. Down it at the
0: d- coast? D- it did put me in the mind of um, whatever that place is called, Piss Week World. <laughs> 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 yeah. You don't Everyone- ever go in there on school camp. Yeah, yes. you, do, you do a bit of panning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you come away with a vial of mostly dirt with maybe a fleck of gold yes. in it? Yeah, I was like, I'm rich. <laughs> you try sell it for Pokemon cards? Nah, mate. Nah. There was no Pokemon when I was at school. I loved this story. My wife just kept getting angry at the destruction of the environment. Yeah, I, like, I think that's the point. Yeah, it's yeah. He- I just,
1: I just made me feel very sad. Yeah. The the scene, you know, those beautiful opening scenes, and obviously, yes, it's very, it's it's not subtle. Like it kind of reaches it's out, and smacks subtle. you across the face as soon as he
0: arrives all the animals run away and yes. then when he leaves, they all come back. And, and- there's
1: just holes in the earth yeah. everywhere. Yeah. But I I was sort of more convinced by, I quite like, I really like the opening scene from The Water Diviner. Have you guys seen that movie, yeah. Russell Crowe? No. And it's sort of the opening scene is just him kind of poking around in the dirt um, in what looks like, you know, totally barren ground um, and sort of pitching his stakes and just digging and digging and digging and digging um, until he sort of finds the water. Um, and the way that that was done, I think, was I, I was more convinced and found it more enlightening, I suppose, than this guy sort of trekked through the, through the ground for gold. That's what it made me think of, though.
0: Yeah, this guy is literally ripping up the earth. Yes. On very small scale, the subtext. You go beyond that. That's funny, you know. I still found it super enjoyable. And in theory, you shouldn't. There's like a 10-minute montage at the start of this story just of this guy digging various holes and panning like a million times. There's literally like 20 back-to-back takes of him going two specs, three specs, five specs. And yet, I was sucked in. I just Mm -hmm. found this such an enjoyable watch. Yeah, I think the enjoyment for me is in the filmmaking. Yeah. Not so much in the story. Yeah, right.
1: I thought they kind of had a bob each way here. They were kind of saying on the one hand, you know, look at this mass destruction of the environment and whatever, but on the other hand, he still gets away with it and still sort of gets, I mean, as in the the character himself, you know, he steals from the owl, he steals from the earth, and inevitably someone came to steal from him and I didn't feel badly about that at all. But so why do we get to kind of say, yes, he gets to take, but, but, um, and when someone tries to take from him, because now he's already established as our hero, we do actually though want him to keep the gold. We don't want the quote unquote. I guess kind of come comes down to you don't him.
0: really care about people.
1: No, I do. <laughs> That's why I think let's we need to bloody look at this I stuff mean, in the face of it and say this is what it is. In the real world, he would have died, and the guy would have made off with his goods.
0: I I, re- I really liked the fact that he didn't die, and I think that this was the first one that broke the mold because, as you said at the start, by the second story that premise has been set, okay, everyone's going to die. And you see him get shot and you think, okay, this is the end of this story. It ends with his gold being stolen. But that's not the end. And I liked that it kept going from there. And to yeah. me, this wasn't just a story about the environment. This was a story about persistence and hard work. You know, that montage of him digging for gold takes over who knows how long. Like, this guy has been out there looking for that pocket of gold for years. Yeah. Persistently and living off the land. And, you know, I actually turned to my Enjoy. wife at one point and I said- doesn't that lifestyle look amazing? Don't you want to do that? And she was like, What the fuck is wrong with you? What is you wouldn't <laughs> would oh, Jesus. But doesn't it look n- to just be out and living as part of nature and as part of that yeah, ecosystem?
1: I, ju- I just thought in a in a movie that sort of sets up, as Topher said, you know, the, the West is the is the enemy, is the bad guy. I felt like that ending was a kind of cheap get out of jail free card for this guy because like he's an old timer.
0: I feel like the cheap get out of jail free card would have been him dying there because that is what you're expecting by that point.
1: Well, it's what you're expecting, but it's not a nice outcome.
0: I don't know. I, I liked the ending of this story. I really liked that. Then, when he left, you saw all the animals come back, and it. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. See, I think it would have been more effective if there's a dead body there, and the and the and the animals come back and and, and peck at it and
1: eat off it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. They're like we were here before you, and in some form or another, we're going to be here after you. Mm. I thought, I actually think that would have been better. Yeah. But, but I did feel for old mate. Yeah. Like, sure. when um, when the other guy came up behind him and shot him, I was like, oh, you dick. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was still attached to the guy. But that's why I liked then when the old timer was kind of taunting after he'd, or- he'd already killed the guy and he's there. You yeah, only got guts. <laughs> like, I liked that. It went straight through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was like, come on. Did it. Yeah. Did it, go straight through. And why is he just
1: splashing it with the water? Like, lay down, get that shit up in there, you know, like you need to wash that thing out. Well,
0: that's why I was like, well, maybe this guy does die because like he just rides off without properly cleaning the yeah. wound. I was like, that is going to be infected, <laughs> yeah. and this guy is still going to die. Yeah.
1: See, if he'd seen Peppermint before it happened, <laughs> he would have known how to, like, staple his own thigh back together in the back of his dirty van.
0: He wouldn't watch Peppermint. Too many women in Peppermint. That's
1: true. <laughs> I do, this This story for me was sort of it. Like, this is where the aforementioned Circle Jerk climaxes, because you by now you've had stories that have had pretty little girls in bonnets You've had whores, you've had cowboys and Indians, you've had old timey, you know, folksy men winning out over the man dressed in black. Like, I mean, it just, it did, it did culminate in just this massive, for me, are we really, do we really need to re prosecute this ground? For me, we don't. But obviously, some people One thing that I was
0: hoping from the film that we'd get more of was, and I thought that this was a real chance going into it, that the Coens might. And this is something that I think is happening more and more in film is the deconstruction of the West. Yeah. And this, the the idealised version, when mm. as soon as anyone stops to think about it, you're like, that would have sucked yeah. ass. Yes. Yeah. Living in the West would have been the piss. So much walking. No <laughs> Uber Eats. No, <laughs> like, you no Uber You could damn Eats the horse. <laughs> yeah. When, well, my, there was no pizza there Any to get. You didn't need Uber Eats because- no, There's no, no nothing to eat. What, what are you going to order? Oh, give me a bale of hay. Well, yeah, I'll <laughs> have some dirt. <Yeah. laughs> you have to do everything for yourself. Yuck. And, I th- like, the fact that, yeah, for me, like, the West is the bad guy, it, like, it does feed into that kind of deconstruction a bit, Yeah. But I was. You still think it's a bit romanticized? Yeah, I was hoping it was going to lean into it a bit more. Yeah, I like romanticism. I know you do. So I'm okay with this. I think this is a really nice balance, actually, of not being like super grim and negative and fuck the, the old West, and also not being super like, look how great this time was. What story's up next? Next up, we had our female-driven story. What?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So an hour and fourteen minutes in. I fast forwarded. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is your first conversation with a woman, and it only took an hour fifteen, hour fourteen. What
0: do you mean between two women?
1: No, involving a like a first conversation. That's not a conversation. She says, "Um, "Do you want me to have sex with your friend for money?"
0: Yeah, but you think about how much you learn from her in that in that sentence. You learn that she likes money. You learn that she cares about the disabled, that she's willing to, you know, get in and give any job a go. I think, I think you're. Well, then why did we spend any more time with men more than, hey, can I have a root? Because <laughs> else- we know that he's got money. We know he likes sex. That's true. <laughs> but so why did we have any other lines from Lynn Neeson?
1: <laughs> Shush. Everyone was really enjoying Billy explaining whoring to me. <laughs> I did feel like it gave itself a little bit of a free pass with the brother again. Sort of, he's painted as this kind of pompous ass hat at the beginning who's a bit bit clueless doesn't really know much about anything um and we're meant to sort of be a bit you know cringe really about him oh look at this guy look at his long-suffering sister blah 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 um but in fact for me that's what the whole movie was the whole movie was about this unquestioned you know single male viewpoint and i was kind of like you know what you can't again you can't have it both ways i feel like that's quite there is some problems for me. There's sort of some disingenuous movie making going on there.
0: Interesting. Mm. See, I feel like it's just storytelling. And sure, yes, it's more male-centred storytelling. But, I don't know, it's just storytelling. If You know, if you went to see a movie that was all females you just think that's great and you never would you wouldn't be upset that a male didn't appear
1: absolutely i would not be upset do you know why because i spent 33 years of my life watching all
0: male films exactly but some stories i just feel like these stories are more male centered and yeah maybe they could have had some more female stories in there but these are the six they chose and
1: yeah that always is the case though isn't it they're always the six they choose
0: that's where I don't the know, you're telling lies. stories about the Wild West. You're telling stories about gold panners. Were
1: t- women not there? Yeah. How like, were they all this alive? Is, we,
0: it feels like you're accepting that that's how the West was, that there was just no women there because no, 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 no. all the stories about the West that we've seen I'm not accepting. are centred on men. No, but you're telling stories about bank robbers and gold diggers who were traditionally men.
1: Well, then where are the stories about the women?
0: Well, that's what I'm saying. These are the, like, yes, and you've got a story about a woman now, and that's great. And, yeah, they could have had more in there. I'm not arguing that they couldn't, but I'm saying in the six stories they chose, I don't think it's right to get upset that there aren't more women in them.
1: Okay, well, I'll continue to get upset. Now, the guy, who can tell me who the guy is who proposes to her in this movie?
0: I can't tell you. I don't know. My wife recognised him as well, but I had no idea. Hmm.
1: It's probably He's probably one of those big guys who you look it up and you're scrolling through IMDb being he's like, oh, like uh, he was in yeah. two episodes of that and one and a half episodes of this and whatever, whatever. But I thought the acting in this was quite good and I thought the relationship between um, Zoe Kazan's character and the character Billy who, Knapp. Yes, yeah, yeah. I thought their relationship was actually really nuanced and nice. Yeah.
0: yeah. I liked I- this story again. This mm. was probably up there as one of my favourites. And one thing I like about this, unlike- Old mate, panning for gold, you know, with death as all these stories are about. This one is unflinching, yeah, and it mm. sucks. But I also think it's it was right. Oh, the ending of yeah. the story, yeah, yeah, which sucks.
1: Yeah, yeah. but you're like,
0: oh, yep, that's what they're doing in this movie. Yeah, that the ending really was a gut punch in this story, more than any of them, I think. I felt a bit icky in this chapter about the one experience we have with Native Americans yes. is, like, it's back. It's them being yeah. murderous savages. We do also- and I was like, whoa. There was one in the Franco time. one. The Franco yeah. one. That's right. That's right. Well. But yeah. yes, both time, they're very much referred to as savages. Yeah. And seen very viciously as savages. It's fine, because I'm fine if the white characters refer to them that way, because they would that's have. That's what they called them. Yeah. yeah. I'm not feeling great about them actually- being shown About that, that way,
1: that being the single truth. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's true. Like we could have had a story that that was from their perspective, but we didn't. This but is we the don't. Story we, we never got. Do. Um So
1: <laughs> the, I did quite like at the end the um, the sort of the old old mate who's with her, sort of you know, um, kind of protecting her. I guess when this onslaught yeah. happens, his reaction when she dies is very good because he's not. He's he's clearly quite. Saddened by it, but he's not also just accepting. He's not super distressed because this is the way of life. Like this is what his life has been. These things, frankly, just happen.
0: That dog got her killed. Yes, yes, he he did.
1: did. (laughs) Oh,
0: little yappy bastard. I think it was annoying. I mean, that, that whole scene was great, though. When he, would you like me to put it down for you? He takes it away. You hear all these gunshots. He's like, it ran away. It ran- <laughs> that was a good moment. I mean, that's just- Coen brothers have such a great way of just- kind of blending comedy through their dialogue. And that was a great example of that. Mm. I just thought that whole sequence was really funny. This, more than any story, too, this was the one, you know, like I said in the Gold Rush story, it it made me want to, like, live that lifestyle. This one, I was like, fuck that walking. Walking the Oregon Trail would have been the worst thing (laughs) in the world. Like, can you think of anything worse? Well, you could run it. Oh, (laughs) God. Oh, that would be fresh hell. (laughs) Yeah. Too much walking.
1: <laughs> and none of them would have bathed no. for months. No, oh, yeah. I God, I even imagine think the of that. smell. Oh,
0: Proper smelly. Ugh. Oh. Be like going to a Kevin Smith concert. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've been there and it ain't good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, final story. Mm. This was my least favorite of all six.
1: Yeah. You've kind of got like an ignorant American, an obnoxious, know it-all Frenchman, a like, ballad singing, Scotsman. Yeah. Like, just yawn. I'm just- Oh, God. I'm so tired at this point. Like, show me something new or entertain me or don't bloody show me anything at all.
0: I actually kind of liked the premise. And at first, you're kind of going, you know, these are five completely different people. Why are they here together? And and when the guy was initially trying to get them to stop the carriage, he was like, he's not going to stop. I was like, it's death driving the carriage, clearly. Like, they're on their way out. Yep. And that wasn't the case. Or was it? Mm. Who knows? But, yeah, I, I didn't mind the premise. I just didn't so much love the execution of of this one. Mm. This one, for me, I think, actually, like, not that it's, it's not my favourite chapter, but I think it really does encompass how I felt about the film and that I didn't actually particularly- I didn't have a great time watching it, but by the time it was done, I was like, yeah, I'm happy I watched that. Yeah, right. I was into it more after the fact than the mm. actual experience of it. Yeah, interesting.
1: And how did you say this one was done on the soundstage? Well, yeah, when so they- all the
0: rest were shot on location. This one wasn't. This mm. was all on a set.
1: And I did like, you know, when they get out of the carriage, it's so stylistic, but not- And I guess it's a little bit of a wank fest, but still, it's- it's. I quite enjoyed the way that they had constructed like that. Like
0: the set of the hotel they are yes. arriving at and stuff. Yeah. yeah. This this one, more than any- and. That's why I I do appreciate the fact it was set on a shot on a soundstage because this feels more like a stage play to me. Yes. This, like, watching this, I felt like I was watching Waiting for Godot, Mm. that kind of classic, very minimal set, minimal people, mostly discussion, very existential discussion, really, like, kind of nonsense talk. So, I liked that aspect of it. I just, this was the one I enjoyed the least watching. Do you guys think that the movie may have benefited at all by changing the order of the stories?
1: Ooh, I hadn't thought about that.
0: Like, do you think this might have been better as say a, a middle story instead of your finale? I was gonna say if I was gonna shuffle anything, I wouldn't change this chapter. You think, I that think this, this book is, ends it. I think this is right being at the end. What about the others? I, I think I'd move the Zoe Kazan story earlier. Earlier, that's Those what first I would do. three short 15 mm. minute stories I would I would spread out yeah. further.
1: Mm. Yeah, have the sort of three three longer ones as beginning, middle, and end. I
0: would probably move the Franco story to second last, as that's kind of more another short comedic story, mm. in kind of similar in tone to the first story. So, break them up a bit, bring back a little bit of comedy before the end.
1: And then you could kind of just edit it out at some
0: point. Okay, well, if you were going to cut any story, which would you cut? The Franco one? It's um, <clears throat> so harmless. It's just such a short kind of- Well, that's why I actually think, yeah. If you'd cut it. You could do it without that one. It doesn't do anything. Yeah. I decided pretty early on in that one that they were dead. Almost as soon as they get in, you're like, well, these are five completely different people who have no reason to be in a, a carriage together. together. The only reason yeah. is they're <laughs> on yeah. their way. How would this yeah. happen? They're dead. <laughs> um Did you guys like the the little- device of the book i loved it personally i want to own that book i think i found myself at the end of each story kind of reading those last paragraphs that you could see on the page and i was like it's so nicely written and even yeah the writing style in the book it's like yeah that's how that book would be written it's actually Mm. well done what about the name of the film like just giving one chapter the name of the entire film yeah, that's an interesting choice because it's also probably the shortest story and really the least significant story, really.
1: And I kept anticipating, well, at least for the first, most of the first story, that he would then reappear in each of the following stories. And that's why it was named after him. But then when he kind of ascends to the heavens at the end, I thought mm, that-, <laughs> that was clearly a misconception.
0: He could have popped up Forsco style.
1: Yes, that's true. And I kept, I kept not being able to get the name right because I kept thinking of that episode of Friends where. Ross has, like, pretends to be girl guide because he's, like, maimed this girl guide. And then one of them calls him a scrud. And then I couldn't- All I could hear every time I heard the title was that little girl being like, you scrud. And Ross is like, what's a scrud? And she's like, look in the mirror, scrud. <laughs> and it's all I could hear. Now I, I honestly can't recreate the title to anyone because it's all I hear when I think about it.
0: Yeah, it is an interesting choice. I really liked the naming of that story, actually. Um, but, yeah, using it as the name of the movie, I think, was, was a bit weird. Yeah. But what else would you call it? Stories of the Old Frontier? Sure. Yeah. Like, I remember reading- Star Wars books had these sort of things, for those of us that were cool enough to be reading them. <laughs> yeah. They like, Tales from the Mos Eisley Cantina, ta- you know, Bounty Hunter's Tales. You just call it, you know- Tales of Ye Old West. Most books would, well, the ones that I've read, collections of stories by, say, Oscar Wilde or something, they're usually named the title of the first story. Who's Oscar Wilde? Mate, Star Wars. (laughs) If you're going to do it, do it right. (laughs) Have you read Shakespeare's um, Star Wars? No. They're so good. They're just like the film's rewritten, but in Shakespearean style.
1: (laughs) You guys are so lucky you found one another.
0: (laughs) So, all in all, what are you guys score in this? I can't remember. You don't remember? Someone else go- no, no, no! before you look, tell us off the top of your head, what, what do you think you would score at six? What are you going, Beth? You're going under five, aren't you?
1: So, I'm going to preface my score by giving you, you all a little reading <laughs> <laughs> to justify my score. So, the little excerpt I'm going to read is from a book called Bad Feminist. There is an essay in that book in which she, and she's a, she's a black woman, she is describing her experience of watching Django Unchained. And then you can just imagine in your minds that I'm applying everywhere she says Tarantino, I am just replace it with Cohen, (laughs) and then I'll give you my score at the end. (laughs) This is what she says. Like most Westerns, like most movies for that matter, Django Unchained concerns the whims of men. The movie is at times brilliant, but mostly infuriating. It is a good movie in that masturbatory way most Tarantino films are good. The man knows his craft and clearly loves movies and loves to make movies where he shows us all just how much he loves making movies. Hollywood, for whatever reason, is more than happy to indulge Tarantino's self-referential homage to those filmic genres with which he is so intensely enamoured. She then goes on to say, this is how Tarantino works. He tries to make the viewer believe that if the art is good enough, the message can be overlooked. I scored this movie a three. I'm
0: going with an eight. (laughs) I was, I was nearly Ooh. at a nine. I really, really, wow. very much liked this movie. Jesus. I really, really liked it.
1: I don't actually think we've given anything higher than an eight all year. Yeah. So, eight, six, three. It's like a, a match of test cricket. You never know when the next wicket's going to come, and that what <laughs> that's what keeps you in, even though you might be really, really bored <laughs> a lot of the time. Um, you're Whatever. always on the edge for the next story or the next wicket, and you never know when it's going to come, and that actually does keep things. That is what then makes it entertaining.
0: Well, this was fun. Thanks for joining us, Beth.
1: Thanks. We- oh, I'm never going to be invited back. It's been good to know you all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you'll join us again in the new year. What are, we, what are we doing next? Next, we'll be finding out what we liked best this year. That's mm. right. We'll be back with a midweek episode dropping New Year's Day, I think, which will be our best of the year and our best of 2008. Oh, Indeed, yes. as, as we- as is tradition on the We Watched <laughs> Tradition after one. <laughs> uh, and then we'll be back next Thursday talking about The Favourite.
1: It looks so great.
0: Yeah. How
1: oh. great is Rachel voss Oh,
0: she's yeah. the best. Oh, God. Yep.
1: Don't no. you just- And she's with Daniel Craig. Don't you just want to is hang she? out with the two? Yeah, yeah they're man. married. I had no idea. Don't you just want to chill with them? Like, yeah, that's, oh, That's Jesus. a couple you'd like to be friends oh, with. Oh, <laughs> is it what? Forget Brad and Angelina. Probably I mean, a, may their spirit Probably rest.
0: a good wine fridge, too. Just quietly. Why? Because they're Cause both they're big rich. wine out.
1: Oh. <laughs> just by virtue of them being wealthy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> there are plenty of wealthy people who wouldn't have a good They
1: might wine be friends. teetotalers. You never know.
0: Yeah, but they might. Uh, there'd be also be plenty of wealthy people who would have an awesome wine collection just for the fuck of it.
1: That's true. Just so that they it's can true. say they have it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I want to be around there for dinner <laughs> smashing some vino. <laughs> Right. well in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that at wewatchthething.com or wewatchthething at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, all under the handle at We Watch The Thing. If you want to help support the show so that Topher can buy some vino. We yeah, had some, yeah, we drank good wine last like, Yeah, he's though.
1: due to bring some to Christmas Day lunch, so everyone can, help me
0: out. You can do that at patreon.com forward slash thing. Side note, we promise we won't use that money for vino. <laughs> I bought no. I I bought the Christmas wine yesterday, so it's fine. It's sorted. (laughs) In the meantime, go watch a movie.
1: Bye. Bring some
0: wine.